Welcome to Manager Tools. This week, flexible coaching deadlines. Everybody will want to listen to this one. Here we go. Folks, for those of you who don't know, we have combined the Manager Tools and Career Tools license into one product. So if you already are a Manager Tools or license, Manager Tools or Career Tools licensee, you're now going to get all of the other products licenses as well. Um, so if you're a Career Tools licensee, you actually get access to the interview creation tool now. We tried to make it a little bit simpler for everybody because so many people were asking us for one or two or three or four casts show notes from the other feed. Hopefully that'll make your career more effective. Go to the website and check it out, www.manager-tools.com. We'll see you there. Folks, we have a special cast this week for two reasons. First of all, Danny is with me and not Mike, partially because Mike is sick and partially because Danny's going to do more and more of these with me. And secondly, because I'm in London, I just finished a London meetup with a great bunch of folks. And uh, as I was getting ready to come up to my room, I said to the folks in the bar at the Goring Hotel, hey, if you guys want to come up to my room and listen to a podcast being recorded, you can. And lo and behold, they all came up. So there's, what, five or six guys here in my hotel room. Uh, Danny, no pressure. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so we're going to talk about part of the coaching model about flexible coaching deadlines. This is my favorite part of the coaching model, by the way. It's your favorite because you get pushback because we both do. Yes. So why would you getting pushback be make it your favorite part? Because once I walk people through it and explain to them wh- what their why their concern is is not it's really not a concern. <laughs> is not they they just love it and the energy in the room is just awesome once they get it. Yeah, I, I'm. I, it's it's cool that you say that from the standpoint that I'm excited about briefing them on this and seeing the look on people's faces when we tell them assign tasks with deadlines of three or four hours later. And to watch some people go, wow, that makes it easy. Yeah. And other people say, yeah. wow, I've got a problem with micromanaging. So the biggest pushback we get is that it feels like micromanaging. And we'll talk about that more in detail here in just a minute, folks. Um, it isn't micromanaging, but yet we understand the sentiment. Most managers aren't used to setting daily deadlines for the direct's work. And we have a way to help you be more flexible in how you assign tasks, especially in the coaching model, but you can use this in almost any situation. I think that's where a lot of managers, that's why a lot of managers push back is the newness of setting yeah. of setting deadlines at all, regard, let alone setting a daily deadline and a deadline that's so specific as we recommend in the coaching model. So I think there's a there's a lot of discomfort that they have around it. They're not used to setting specific deadlines, and then they're really not used to setting specific daily deadlines like we recommend. I think they have discomfort, and then they, they seize upon the first boogeyman they can find, and that's micromanaging. Um, yes. And the phrase is, well, I know my people will rebel against this. And, I th- and, and sometimes when I'm in a bad mood, I say, gee, I've done this about a thousand times. You've never done it. How are you certain how your people are going to respond when you've never, ever used this technique? And I've <laughs> never, ever had that pushback in my entire time of using it. And that generally keeps them quiet, although sometimes I think it, yeah. they're too quiet because they're just mad at me. Um, so, okay, we've got a five-point overview here. First of all, we want to give you guys a brief overview of the coaching model. I know a lot of you haven't heard all the basics cast. Um, second, we want to assign short initial deadlines. When we assign work early on in a project, we recommend 
uh, and many project management gurus recommend this as well. You assign short deadlines to early work to encourage early wins, to make it easy for people to do small tasks so that they'll have lots of green dots on their project chart. And then when you get pushback, hey, you're micromanaging me, we'll quote for you a speech where you're going to tell them you're not micromanaging. Because believe me, folks, what we're recommending is not micromanaging. The other thing we recommend, which we don't talk about much at the conference, is when someone proves that they can handle short deadlines well, the intelligent, effective manager extends those deadlines once that pattern of success emerges. If you have a top performer who doesn't need short deadlines, give him or her a month to do something because you know they'll get it done. But the idea that you would give your weaker average performer a month to do something, wondering whether or not they get it done, putting the project at risk by as much as a month, is ludicrous. You can't do that. And then, by the same token, when things go well and somebody meets their deadlines, you can extend their deadlines. You, you trust them more. And when their performance begins to falter, we recommend shortening deadlines as well. So, Danny, let's give them a brief coaching model overview so they get comfortable with it. Uh, and I think... There are probably some people who know the model who still will benefit from this. And definitely, if you're new, you need to know this in order to understand how this guidance works for flex flexible deadlines. Yeah, I think it's always useful to re um, remind ourselves to review the coaching model. I just recently had a conversation with a client of ours uh, who's using the Trinity at their organization. And he, and he said, you know, we're, we're doing one-on-ones. We're doing, we're doing feedback pretty well, not as good as I'd like to. He said, but really coaching. He said, I know that's, that's our biggest opportunity. Right. So I think, I think that that's probably pretty common. Yeah. I feel like coaching is the, the redheaded stepchild of, of, of the Trinity because you can coach everybody in your team in five minutes a week and very few managers ever get there. I blame in part the feedback model that managers are just afraid to say the words and to realize that, hey, it works fine. And we have thousands of managers, tens of thousands of managers say, yeah, I was worried about feedback and I started doing it and suddenly I realized, I don't know how I got along without this, just like they said about one-on-ones. Um, and of course, the next step after you do one-on-ones and feedback is, of course, coaching. Okay. Coaching the way we define it, folks, is how effective managers oversee the improvement of a direct's performance in a particular skill area, whatever that skill area might be. If one of our directs needs to get better at presenting or financial analysis, we coach them. This is a core part of what makes great managers great. Now, look, guys, we understand that many of you wouldn't describe, wouldn't define coaching the way we do. We respect that you may not call this coaching, um, but after you spent a few years in the workforce, you realize there's about a billion definitions of coaching, and there are all kinds of consulting firms who would like you to believe it's their way or some other way. Um, and we're not saying we're right, but we know our way works. That's what we say about the Trinity, the, the, the tools in the Trinity, the models we recommend, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, delegation. We're not saying they're the only way to be effective. We just say that if you do it our way, we guarantee you'll get the outcomes you want, the, re the results and the retention that you want. Um, that said, if you have a different definition of coaching, that's okay. Our definition is I'm managing you. You have a skill area that needs to get better, and I'm going to coach you on making that skill area better. And that means you engaging in behaviors to make that skill area better with me overseeing it and not necessarily training you. 
We have a four-step process for doing that. It's the process I use when I coach people, managers and executives. I have spent thousands of hours with this model, and it has never failed me. Uh, And step one is we collaborate on an end goal. We sit down with our direct. We agree on the behavior we want them to be able to achieve whenever they're finished with the the process. And we've got some examples for you. So we would recommend it be written a certain way in a deadline behavior quality format. It's not the only format, but it's a format that's simple and tends to be shorter than a lot of the others out there. And here are three examples. By 1 October, run an hour-long staff meeting with a pre-published agenda, starting and ending on time, staying on agenda, using a parking lot, and disseminating notes within one hour after the meeting. Or, by 15 March, present for 15 minutes to my boss on the IT security plan with no more than five slides, none of them with errors, with no more than five ums or ahs, making eye contact with everyone in the room at least twice, staying within the time limits, and finishing your presentation, and answering 80% of the questions to the satisfaction of the questioner. That's a long one. That last one is easy to do. If people don't know, how do I know that I've answered the, the question to the satisfaction of the questioner? You just ask you just the person, ask him, did, did I, I answer, answer your, your question? question? Yeah, and we actually talked about that in our how to answer questions from the audience. We talked about who you would ask that question of and who you wouldn't. But if you're coaching someone, you want them asking everyone, did I answer your question? So they can get feedback about whether they're good at it or not. Okay. One more example. By 20 August, plan and present our annual budget to the budget committee, meeting all annual planning requirements, pre-wiring 50% of the audience, and receiving approval with less than 1% variance to our request. That's the step one. You agree on that. Um, step two is to collaborate with your direct on brainstorming resources. Okay. Even if your collaboration on the goal took 10 to 15 minutes, you could probably still have time in the same one-on-one meeting to brainstorm resources because it only takes two minutes. So let's say we were brainstorming how to help somebody get better at presenting. We would sit down and we would literally throw out ideas for how somebody get better. And one of us, probably the manager, would write them all down. An example would be Google, Toastmasters, Manager Tools, Podcasts, Amazon, Pimbach, which is the Project Manager Book of Knowledge, by the way. YouTube videos, books for dummies, budgeting books from the American Management Association, recommendations from friends, budgeting mentor, public training classes, internal classes, HR portal, training portal. Not that those are necessarily great, not that they're necessarily bad. We don't worry about whether they're great or bad when we're brainstorming. The issue is whether or not there's two or three or four tools in there that will be enough to get this particular direct across the finish line. Okay? Step three, we plan actions. We've got a goal, we've got some resources that we think we can avail ourselves of, and now we're going to collaborate on a plan step-by-step for how our direct is going to use those resources in order to achieve the goal. It might include signing up for a class, it might include ordering a book, could be almost anything. But Mark, we're not going to use, our direct isn't going to use all of the 
resources that we brainstormed, right? They're just going to pick maybe one or two. Right, because we're only planning. We're not going to try to plan all six months. And the reason why, guys, we don't recommend you try to plan for six months is because you won't do it. And we only teach actionable stuff. And that doesn't mean that theoretically it's actionable. It means we know you will do it if you feel enough pain to do it. And the idea that we could convince managers to sit down in their cube one evening and spend two, two and a half hours away from their family coming up with a six-month, let's say, 80-step plan for how one of the directors are going to get better is ludicrous. It's never going to happen. One of the things I ask it at conferences when, we, when I teach coaching is I'll ask the project managers in the room because we almost always have at least one or two project managers. Right. And I'll ask them, how long, how long, just give me a ballpark, how long does it take you to come up with a six-month project plan of 75 to 100 steps? And I've heard anywhere, the shortest I've heard is probably about two hours. I've heard up to 10 hours. <laughs> so not an insignificant right. uh, amount of time to come up with a six-month plan. Yeah, I've watched managers sit at their desk going, oh, yeah, i got to come up with that plan. Oh, yeah, i got to do it. And then they put it off, and they put it off, and they put it off. And then the direct feels like they're not getting improved, and the manager's at fault, but the manager's not good in a minute, right? Yeah, it just hangs over your head. Yeah. So we plan a series of actions for a couple of weeks at a time. We write down specific tasks. And in step four... Our direct actions the plan. They report to us each week on their performance, and we compare their performance each week to the overall goal. And when they achieve the goal, we celebrate. And if they don't achieve the goal that week, we keep going around the circle until we get there. And folks, I have to apologize. I, I mentioned that we had I had people in my hotel room, which is a bit unusual for a recording. And now the hotel sees fit to call me during the recording. So you've just heard <laughs> you've just heard a hotel phone ring during a podcast, which. Mike will then immediately say that the quality problems were clearly due to the fact that Mike was not on the cast. Uh, Okay, now, step three, when we plan actions, gets us to the next point, which is we assign short initial deadlines to early tasks in order to encourage early completion of those tasks so that we get early wins on the project. And this is where we get some pushback. We recommend assigning tasks that are early in the process with very short daily, even hourly deadlines in order to ensure that actions are being taken and we will get early notification if something goes off track. For instance, by 5 p.m. today, send me a list of the top five project management books on Amazon.com. By 9 a.m. tomorrow, Send me a receipt for the book you bought. By 4 p.m. day after tomorrow, send me a picture of the book you bought on your desk. I've just authorized overnight shipping, I think. And by 4 p.m. Friday, send me three sentences that summarize what you got out of chapter one. Just three sentences. And for those of you who would say, well, I can't ask my director that. I didn't read the book. Yeah, you can. And you'll know whether or not it's a reasonable explication of chapter one. Or if you want to get the book and skim it, that's fine too, but you don't need to read it. Otherwise, you can only ask your directs to do what you do and know now you're going to be going to training programs with it, with them, and now you've got 10 directs and you think you can do all that with all 10 of them? doesn't work that way. Now, to be clear, guys, all of those tasks that we just gave you, we've used this technique hundreds, even thousands of times, and we've never heard a person who it's used with 
complain about micromanagement. And the reason why we came up with very short task deadlines is the repeated failure, utter failure, repeated utter failure of the other option, which is, oh, I wouldn't want my people to think I'm micromanaging them, so I can't give them short deadlines. I'll give them long deadlines. I'm going to assign them bigger tasks that take several days or a week to complete. And you might think that will make my directs feel better, and you might, in fact, be right. The problem is it doesn't get the work done. And if the work get, doesn't get done, we don't care how people feel. I know that's terrible. I know I get in trouble for saying things like that. But if you think about it, you'll know it's true. If your people are happy and they're failing to achieve their mission, they're going to be unhappy pretty soon. They're not only going to be unhappy, they're going to be unemployed. But if you give them a bunch of a bunch of short tasks like these to do that that don't take a whole lot of time, and they're getting that those early those early wins those early green checks, that's going to give them such a great feeling of a comp- of accomplishment and momentum. This, when I was reading the show notes, Mark, it reminded me of of a uh, wellness expert I once heard uh, came into a place where I used to work and did one of those workshops. It was you know, a, a big uh, offsite meeting for all of the staff. And um, one of the things that he said, he gave everybody like a, a wellness plan for the next week. And he said, now what I'm going to do, I'm not going to tell you start this tomorrow or start this on Monday. He said, I'm going to give you stuff to start on right, right now, tonight. And there were like three things that, that you could do that night. Really simple. And one of them, you'll love this. One of them was, but when you go to bed, turn your thermostat down to 68 degrees. Yeah, yeah. Because that helps you sleep better. And he said, I know some of you guys are kind of laughing. Like, you know, you want to lose 20 pounds and I'm telling you to turn your thermostat down. He said, but I know that if I can get you to do a couple of things tonight, you'll be more likely to do the things that I have on the plan tomorrow. If you check off early things as green, that project is much more likely to meet its deadlines and achieve its goals. Yep. Yeah. Look, we often challenge our conference attendees with a simple question. If you told your directs about a book you wanted them to read and you told them you'd pay for it, but they had to go get it themselves and then they had to read it and they needed to be ready to discuss it with you in a month. And then we say, raise your hand if half of your directs would complete that task. And less than 10% of the audience, the attendees at a conference, at an effective manager conference, raise their hands. Meaning 90% of the managers don't believe that even half of their team will actually order the book, get the book, and read the book. And this happens every conference. Every time. And even the ones who raise their hand, I say, oh, that's great. So half your team would. And they say, yeah, half my team would. And I say, well, what, do you think all your team would? Oh, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thankful I can say half, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, we're sort of at a stalemate. If we have data which says longer deadlines don't work, and then we also have managers who are concerned about how their people will feel about shorter deadlines, I got to tell you, folks, there's not a CEO or an EVP or any other senior, senior leader in a major corporation today who would say, oh, you should definitely pay attention to the feelings of your directs as opposed to the data that we have over years and years and years of of built-up data about managers trying to get to assign long deadlines and not be able to get anything done. There are three reasons why, I want to be clear about why we're recommending this. Why we recommend at the beginning of a project, when you're coaching someone, that you set very short deadlines. The first one is compliance, high compliance and high responsiveness. 
we have very few instances, in fact, less than 10 in over 20 years, of someone being coached and that they responded negatively. Okay, it just doesn't happen. Now, we understand why you might say, oh, well, this is a problem. But in real life, guys, it doesn't happen. On the contrary, thousands of directs have told us, this makes what I have to do crystal clear. What they're saying is, clear, short deliverables that I can do in the next 50 minutes or hour make it so much easier for me to do what I want to do. Okay? The next actions I need to take are obvious. And they're doable as well because the tasks aren't big ones like do an analysis of these 700 pages worth of data, right? That takes a while. You got to tunk that down. Just to, yeah, yeah, you got to <laughs> tunk that down into smaller pieces, right? They also said, I hate having a task that takes two weeks to do because it's really not two tasks. It's 25 tasks that were rolled into one. And after 10 days, 10 days after they do it, they're only going to get credit for one item being complete if they had one item that was supposed to take 10 days, even if it had 25 subtasks in it. Further, it's just prudent for you to pay more attention, provide more oversight earlier in a project. As a manager, it's inefficient for us to have one of our directs failing to do what they're supposed to do and us not know it. Look, it's okay if your directs do something you don't know about. It's okay. It's not okay to put in place a system where you're never going to know about it and there's no monitoring involved. We know that beginnings are delicate times. If there are problems with a project, they usually surface early or, or very late. And if there are problems, you want to know about those problems as early as you can. You want to fix them immediately. You want to avoid wasting time by accomplishing nothing and not knowing that you're not accomplishing anything. Folks, a project is in danger of being delayed by the time value of its longest tasks. If you assign a month-long task, you don't know you're a month behind until the day that task is due. In other words, it's been a whole month. Guys, that's not management. That's dereliction. And all the cries of micromanagement are really just, I don't want you to manage me. Well, unfortunately, your title is manager, and that's your job, to achieve results in part by managing other people. Because when people come to work for your firm, they don't get to keep doing whatever it is they want to do. They're lucky if they like doing it, but they don't get to keep doing it just because they like doing it. They get to keep doing it, or they're supposed to do it, because it's the most effective thing for the future of the organization. Okay, the third thing, third reason we do this is very emotional. When you have a lot of early wins, positivity builds on the team, either with one individual or with a group of individuals. We all know what it feels like to be on a project team that leaves its first kickoff, kickoff meeting and then proceeds to miss a bunch of early deadlines. You know that that project is not politically powerful. You know it's going to be underinvested in in the end. And most of us know what to do with our tasks if we were assigned to that kind of, that kind of project uh, early on. We're going to do nothing with them. Basically, the project's a dog, and it's not going to get done. And we're not going to get in trouble for not doing it unless they're going to put us all in trouble for not doing it. And I'm going to have company if I choose not to do it, which then allows me to work on the things that I know I will get in trouble for if I don't do them. And the other side of that is many of us have been on project teams that got right to work and nailed 90 to 95 to 99% of their early deliverables. 
that project is going to get done. And we darn well better not be the person who's lagging behind somebody else and holding that project that's 98% green to 2% red and us being the big contributor of the reds. I mean, do we doubt that in at least some cases, task design, and by that I mean too complex tasks that are too long, too early in a project, in some of the cases where projects failed, poor task design ends up contributing significantly to either an early warning that's probably missed or worse, impending doom. Guys, shorter, more easily achieved tasks lead to higher success rates in projects because people feel their work will have value. Okay, now we come to the big thing, the thing that everybody's going to talk to me about later, which is how do I tell my people I'm not micromanaging them? Again, we recommend you start with scoped down, or as our friend Michael Swinson would say, chunked down tasks, tasks that can be done in a day or a day and a half at the most early on in the project. But I get this question once a month. What do I say when one of my directs says, it feels like you're micromanaging me? And here's what you say. You say, uh, and by the way, those of you with licenses, you can simply download your show notes. Whether you have a manager tools or career tools license, you can just download the show notes and I'm I'm reading the script right from the show notes. So they say, what do I say when my direct goes, it feels like you're micromanaging me? Which, by the way, if I was in a bad mood, I'd say, well, gee, that's not a question. But that's, I'm being picky there. So here's what you say. No, I'm not micromanaging you. I'm setting you up for success. I'm also paying more attention early on this project because if stuff's going to go wrong, it's likely going to happen right away in my experience. Look, let's talk about micromanaging for a minute. If your boss is a micromanager, then that's the way he or she manages. And that is bad. Working for a micromanager, though, guys, is incredibly rare, even though, yes, it is absolutely awful. 95% of you who are thinking right now, I used to work for a micromanager, you're wrong. You didn't. Maybe a little bit of a control freak, maybe with some unusual tics or habits. But a micromanager is a very specific thing. Okay. In fact, let's define how a micromanager manages. She tells you what to do. She tells you how to do it. She watches you do it. And then she tells you you're doing it wrong. Then she tells you again that you did it wrong. Then she pushes you aside. Then she does it herself. And all the while telling you, I can't trust you anymore. You're not doing your job. So, There's something else worth mentioning here, too. I'll never be a micromanager, right? Again, I'm continuing the soliloquy here. There's something else worth mentioning here. I'm never going to be a micromanager, but at times, I'll be more involved in a project or a set of tasks. Someone here might even say I'm micromanaging, and they wouldn't be wrong. Micromanaging some things on a case-by-case basis periodically that are particularly important It's dudes, it's completely normal and actually routine, but it's done by even highly effective senior executives. CEOs get in the weeds about ads that their company runs and speeches that they have to give. They move commas around in speeches, which is a good example of the person who wrote the speech knows grammar. They know where they put the comma. The president or some EVP ought not to be correcting it, but they are, okay? Senior people review 
PR copy, even though they've never been in PR before, public relations, they get briefed on science, which is way over their head, and then they make changes. Senior people in major corporations review budgets down to individual line items. But look, being a micromanager is awful and wrong, but that doesn't mean that micromanaging a particular process every now and again on something you really want to get right is not normal, okay? You can absolutely micromanage on a case-by-case basis, and that does not make you a micromanager. It means you're paying attention to things that are really important and that need your extra attention. And a micromanager would be paying special attention to everything at all times and driving everyone crazy around him. Okay? Something else I'd say, I continue my, my discussion, and I'd say, and look, dude, the things I've signed you, these tasks and the short deadlines, are only for now. Setting deadlines is an art. It's not a science. We set deadlines based on all kinds of factors, and frankly, the two most important of which are the ultimate deadline and the person doing the work. How long the task should take, if there is such knowledge, is a factor, but it is much more a function of the person doing it than it is the task itself. You could keep going on and saying, and when you meet all these deliverables in the first two weeks, you'll have shown me that I probably undershot and will raise the bar for the rest of this project, for the rest of this self-improvement project that I'm coaching you on. And one more thing, is it really micromanaging if you get five things done this first week, you feel good, and I get to give you plenty of positive feedback for that, right? Again, now, we're talking to our direct who said, I think you're micromanaging me. And so we can say as a manager, is it really micromanaging if you get five things done for me this first week, you feel good, and your brother gives you plenty of positive feedback for that? And everybody else says too, including me, is that micromanaging or is that me being a little cautious early in return for you getting a lot of positive feedback early, right? If you meet the deadlines, you're going to get a lot of positive feedback. If it were micromanaging, I'd be assuming you weren't going to get the stuff done. And this was in order to check on you so I could punish you, that I had to monitor you. Quite the contrary. I know you can get this stuff done. I just want to have plenty of opportunities to say thank you for doing it. And you meeting a deadline is an easy opportunity for positive feedback. I think that's what a lot of managers, that's where their micromanagement label comes from. They think, oh, we're, we're having our, report, our direct report do all of this and report to us to prove to us that they're doing it so that, so that we can track them because the first time they, they miss. Because one of the questions I get is, well, what if they miss one of those, right? Like the people, like, I'm just going to wait to jump on them for when they miss. And when I explain, no, they're, you know, I don't, I don't say to my direct, send me an email on the first chapter that you read with a couple of sentences because they have to prove to me that they read it. Right. I don't have people work for me who have to prove to me that they do things. If they said they did it, I believe, believe that they did it. And that's, that's a big shift in outlook, I think, for a lot of managers also. Yeah, and I think most managers think, if you're putting strictures or measures on people, it's designed to catch errors or flaws. Yes. And they don't see that the only way a really professional manager can give behavioral feedback or positive feedback about positive behaviors is if there are measures to cue you that those things have happened. If somebody has a month-long task 
and you ask them how they're doing, oh, fine, oh, fine, oh, fine. Can you give them positive, feed, positive feedback on that? I don't think so. And frankly, if you don't give them specific tasks, they're not going to be thinking about breaking down all the things they're doing into something that's reportable. Yeah, fine to me always was red. Yeah, red, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and, and look, the whole fine thing, it's dumb. Managers get mad that directs say fine. But the problem is managers say, how's the project? Rather than saying, give me a status update. So we start with short deadlines because we want early warning. And more importantly, we want chances to praise people to give positive feedback so that they'll have more energy to go in the right direction. That said, if in fact a pattern of success emerges, we're going to extend their deadlines. We set those early short deadlines because they help us provide more positive feedback like we just went over. They create energy towards future project success. And again, they help us with oversight. And all that stuff is just normal managerial prudence. This is managerial common sense. And the moment your direct meets those shorter deadlines, we can start giving them deadlines that are longer. We can extend the length of time that a, a deadline is reasonable for that direct based on their recent performance. When our direct completes all of those short deadline tasks, we can give them positive feedback and we can start creating tasks that take three days. When they get those tasks done on time, give them more positive feedback and create tasks that take five days. And pretty soon, everyone on your team will be able to be assigned a book with a deadline in a month and accomplish that task reading the book without a second thought. This is how you do it, by understanding that deadlines of tasks are flexible based on you, based on the project, and based on your direct. It's one thing to go from short daily deliverables and deadlines and have them hit them and then start making them longer than to do the other way and start with Oof. a week-long deadline, have them miss a couple and, and then say, well, now I'm going to start giving you deadlines you know, every day or every two days. Yeah, they're going to see the writing on the wall. Yeah. And every conference I ask the attendees, if I were to give you a couple of deadlines with two or three weeks and you start missing them and so I pull back and now I start giving you two or three deadlines a week, what does that feel like? And every single time, everybody says, it feels like I'm in trouble. It feels like I'm, I'm being punished. Yeah. Which is not, how, not a good way to go through the coaching model. Right. Even if it's not true, how they feel is how they feel. Right. Guys, be clear with them. Tell them you're doing so. Tell them that you're extending the deadlines because they met all their previous shorter deadlines. If they don't comment of something to the effect that they're being given more rope, tell them when you're collaborating on the next set of tasks that you want to extend their deadlines by giving them bigger tasks that will take up more time because they've shown they can handle it. Guys, look, there's not a book somewhere with every possible task and its appropriate length. This decision we're talking about, how long should a task take, is a judgment call. It takes your judgment. Tasks are not immutable things. All tasks change in the hands of different owners. It's our job to assign tasks reasonably based on the work and the deadline and the owner. Stop believing that setting short deadlines are somehow beneath some or all of your directs. They're only beneath the directs that have proven 
they are in those situations in which they've proven them. But everybody's different in all kinds of different situations. Start small. And then, same thing's true for the last step, shorten deadlines when performance suffers. It ought to be obvious. Since deadlines aren't immutable, since they require our judgment, we can shorten deadlines when longer deadlines start being missed. So, I meet the daily deadlines. You give me three-day deadlines. I'm good at that. You give me five-day deadlines. I'm good at that. You give me 10-day deadlines, and I start faltering. Well, cut it back to eight days, see what happens. Cut it back to seven days and see what happens. Do some analysis to figure out what do I think keeps them from getting it done in 10 days, but they seem to get it done in five days. It may just be how their internal clock works. And yet, that's something that's powerful that you ought to know. I can't imagine it would be a bad idea to ask them about it in a one-on-one where you're getting to know one another. Variable deadline length is one of the most underused, powerful tools available to all managers. If one of your directs can read that book in a month without oversight, let them. Some of them will need weekly check-ins. Treat everybody as an individual because you know them well enough to treat them as individuals. And when their performance falters, pay more attention in part by shortening deadlines until they hit them again. That's it. So, Summing up, we did a brief overview of the coaching model. Hope that was helpful, guys. I know some of you are like, I've heard this before. Okay. We want to assign shorter and assign shorter initial deadlines to encourage those early wins, provide us a little bit more oversight. We now have some words you can use. Again, licensees, you can just read them off the show notes to tell your folks, no, I'm really not micromanaging you. I understand why you would say that, and I'm not micromanaging you. And then Extend or shorten deadlines based on whether there's success or whether there's performance problems. If somebody's performing well with weekly deadlines, give them bi-weekly deadlines. Go as far as they'll let you because the more time they work without your supervision, the more you have time to do other things provided they're getting the work done. Folks, let's use our judgment to increase the chances of coaching success. And coaching is just a self-improvement project versus using our judgment to make a direct feel better about the boogeyman who's not even in the room, meaning micromanaging. Those directs who are insulted by short deadlines remind us of John Wayne's famous quote, if you think I've insulted you, you're mistaken. Because if I've insulted you, you'll know it. We're not insulting people by shortening deadlines and making smaller tasks that make it easier to get it done by the deadline. We're preparing for success and providing reasonable oversight in early stages of a project when any professional would have to admit, yeah, right at the beginning and then again at the end, super important times. By the same token, if you've got somebody who's doing their job well, you can lengthen their deadlines. The effective manager trusts his directs to meet their deadlines and he verifies that they did as well. Ah, trust and verify. Yes. Almost a Russian (laughs) proverb. Almost. And that's it. Awesome. I think this should be a classic, but I'm probably biased. Coaching is my favorite part of the uh, Effective Manager Conference. Thank you for letting me do this. This was great fun. Yeah, great fun. And to all the folks here in London, thanks for listening in. See you next week, folks. Bye. That's it, everybody. Thanks for listening this week. Come back next week. See you then.